We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I think the kind of the big story of the year continues to be along the lines of, eh, it's so funny that I'm saying the big story of the year because it's so early, but it is moving quickly. But one of the bigger stories is valuation. The S&P 500 is trading at 18.6 times forward 12-month earnings. That's a 25% premium to its 10-year historical average. This is stuff that, this is just data, but you shouldn't look past it. It's tough because the stock market's doing its thing. But when you're trading at 18.6 times forward 12 months earnings, which is a 25% premium to the 10-year historical average, it's telling things are a bit rich. The SP 500's increased 10.6% over the last three months alone. Squashing, crushing, destroying anyone who believes that real estate is a better investment than, than stocks. Taking a 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70 year time horizon. Go backwards and you'll see that stocks have crushed real estate. I own stocks and I own real estate. I'm not, you know, going, real estate's better than we've ever made. I try not to get too caught up in that. So on one level, I go, man, we're overbought. Everyone loves stocks and everyone's making money in stocks. Well, that's not true. The small person who's playing video games all day at home and doesn't have access to a bank account doesn't have... I know, some people are not involved in the stock market, I get it. But anyone who is should be at an all-time high. So on one hand, we have valuation concerns. On the second one, we now have the China-U.S. trade war has been replaced by the U.S.-Iranian war, which has been replaced by the coronavirus. We will always have a wall of worry. China has effectively banned transportation to and from Wuhan, Wuhan, I don't know. I'm just, there's areas that I just don't know. Is it a province? Is it a state? Is it an area? I don't know. It's a city. It's got 11 million people in it to be a little bit more conceptual. That's a pretty big city. They're trying to stop the coronavirus from spreading. It's reported that Beijing has canceled major public events. So this is, again, one of the problems with China. They want to be an open, capitalist, democratic... I'm not going to say democratic. They want to be an open, capitalist, communist country. And when there's problems, they don't want anyone to see them. 
So we don't know about the festering concerns of the coronavirus inside of China. And if people have fears of traveling in China, if events are being canceled, what do I say about planes, trains, and automobiles? When you see those guys moving and and grooving in the United States, it typically means economic activity. When there's a coronavirus in China, it typically means sitting on our hands and not going outside and trying not to breathe on our neighbors. I know. You're saying you should be a doctor, Rob. Try not to breathe on your neighbor. Stay inside. Don't spend money. I take two aspirin and call me in the morning. So we don't know. So far, every other epidemic, pandemic, plague, what have you, has not exactly destroyed culture. It hasn't taken down civilizations. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. Don't go too far back in history and check me. But you get the idea. So until I know better, I stay involved. Until I'm asked to leave, I stay at the party. Comcast, Procter & Gamble, Texas Instruments, Teradyne, Traveler, Southwest Air, and Kimberly Clark, all topped expectations. The one that's interesting to me, there's a lot there, obviously. Procter & Gamble, consumer products, everything from toothpaste to tampons, and much, much more. Procter & Gamble makes the stuff that we need. I know you're saying, I've been to Arkansas. I can argue whether or not we need toothpaste. But the rest of the... Da-da-da-da-da-da. See, it helps if I got a producer paid attention because then I won't get in trouble for knocking Arkansas. So, but Texas Instruments, big semiconductor company. Teradyne, obviously, semiconductor equipment. Travelers, big insurance company slash investment product company. Southwest Airlines, regional travel. All these companies who reported better than expected numbers kind of tell me something. Kimberly Clark, they make paper and diapers. Paper tells me business economic activity. Diapers tells me, well, if you've never had a baby, let's just say they're not free. Economic activity. Comcast was interesting, though. Comcast had broadband growth, 26% broadband growth. Whoa. Are we consuming more broadband because of Disney Plus and Netflix? Yes, is the answer. Yes. But there's that big thing coming down the road called 5G, and we wonder... How long will Comcast control the cable, I'm not going to call it modem monopoly, but how long will they you know, dominate the wired home of Internet when 5G comes in? And it's in theory, but it won't be. But in theory, it's similar speeds, but it won't be. To cable modems. How long can we bleed cable modems? You know, at one point in time, companies were going to come to your house and put fiber optics straight from the street all the way into your home. And that happened on some level. But not enough penetration really for us to say, this is the end-all, be-all. Initial claims for the week ending January 18th increased 6,000 to 211,000. That's not going to cause any problems. Look, kids, I don't want any problems out of you. It's not going to be any problem, sir. ECB President Lagarde, Christine Lagarde, she added in her remarks from the ECB that an ample degree of monetary policy is still necessary. She is the, she used to be head of the IMF, and now she's head of the ECB, European Central Bank. I dig her, and I don't know why. Like, it feels like that's the type of world leader I want. Common sense, practical 
uh, puts together a good sentence. I know you're saying you've got a lot of expectations on your political figures. I know. I know. Has teeth. It's a joke. It's a joke. I like teethless, toothless. Teethless or toothless? Non-toothed politicians. So ECB left their policy unchanged. That's also a story of 2020. If the Fed and the ECB do nothing, stay accommodative and help, will that be enough for us to say, you know what, that 18 and a half times four 12-month earnings that we talked about on the overall market that is historically rich, where does that leave us? Hmm... 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Big seminar coming up, and I spoke with CFP Chad Burton yesterday for the first time in a couple weeks. This is going to be the last seminar for a while. Um, nothing planned after this. Interesting, right? Squeeze it in because times are changing and times are busy. You can learn more by going to newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Hit events and sign up for the event. At the Elks Lodge, February 6th in Palo Alto. Can't wait to see you. Easy parking, good event, good time to start your finances right in 2020. Learn more at newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. Let's make 2020 a good year. Try to invest a couple more dollars. Don't try to beat last year's returns because they were smoking hot. So make it a good year. Don't make it a year where you start making financial mistakes or going off the rail or doing things that you never did before. I like moderation and moderation. Chevron CEO Michael Wirth said something that makes me want to sell Chevron or Exxon or any of the big integrated oil companies. Chevron CEO Michael Wirth said that oil prices may not reach $100 for a long time. Thanks to a boom in U.S. shale production. You probably know that Saudi Arabia and OPEC, the Organization for Petroleum Exploration Exporting Company countries, that's easy for me to say, huh? You probably know that they sit on a ton of oil. It's kind of like that Beverly Hillbillies oil. It's the good stuff. It's the sweet stuff. You can't quite put your finger in it and... and, and Taste it. Although you see oil people do that and you go, what are you doing? But the oil of Saudi Arabia and the Middle East in particular is way better than the oil of like Norway, where it comes from the gross, dirty seabed. Or the incredibly disgusting oil that comes out of Canada in the Canadian sands. When you have oil and sand mixed together, does that sound like it's good for your car? No. Sand in your engine, no bueno. So you have to refine it. The stuff that comes out of Saudi Arabia, you're like, whoo, sweet. Let's fire up the, 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 the furnaces and throw this stuff on in and get us some jet engine fuel and get us some gasoline and get us some plastics. The stuff that comes out of Canada, a little on the dirty side. So the stuff that comes out of the United States is a little bit in the middle. Our shale is, we, we know, and I'm not going to get into the 
George Clooney as the lawyer kind of stories, we know fracking's probably not great for the planet. Probably not great for the region that it's happening in. Because we've seen the movies. Chevron CEO Michael Worth told CNBC today that oil may not hit $100 for a long time. And he said, basically, he's in live in Davos, Switzerland. Oil markets really changed over the last 10 years. Now, that's got me kind of interested. He said, quote, we've moved away from a period of time where there was a belief that we were approaching peak oil. Now we're in an era of abundance. So a couple years ago, we were worried about peak oil. Now we're worried about there's too much, too too damn much of the stuff. It's everywhere. Um, plus, you know, we're getting cleaner cars. Plus, we're, we're saying, like, hey, California believes in the environment, so we're continuing to push forward with the environmental laws, try to cut down on energy. I heard the CEO of Southwest in a conference call talk about, you know, we need renewable fuels. <laughs> okay. Um, clean burning renewable fuels, and we'll solve that, that pollution problem. Southwest is an interesting company to look at. We will talk about them for sure. But oil markets have changed in the last decade or so, so that's kind of interesting. You go on and you start remembering, like, there were attacks on Saudi Arabian's oil facilities. In two of their facilities, I believe, back in September. And it took off 5.7 million barrels of oil a day. Now, oil spiked overnight on that news, but then it calmed down because we we're like, hey, we have plenty of oil. We don't need to worry about 15 million, 5 million barrels going offline as long as it's not for a long period of time. So, CEO of Chevron's kind of telling me something there. The energy system in the United States and the world is enormous and it's growing. We need everything. So Chevron has done poorly in the last six months. The S&P 500 energy sector has done poorly. And yet the S&P 500 has gained over 10% during that period of time. So it's not working. And you have to wait for oil maybe to hit 65, 70, 75, 80. Whatever the number is in your head for you to say, this is coming back together nicely. Interesting story out of the world of the Apple Watch. You know how we got that fitness Peloton thing? You know what I'm talking about, right? It was kind of a big thing last year of having an instructor yell at you, and you pay some sort of subscription fee, and you have a beautiful designed bike that fits in your home, and you're competing with others, and you're competing, your, your instructor is live, and she's, she's pumping you up. Basecamp Crunch Fitness, Orange Theory, and YMCA are launching a new Apple Watch connected experience inside gyms in the United States. Now, if you can't tell me immediately, that's not a win for Apple. When a large amount of gyms in the United States, Basecamp, Crunch Fitness, Orange Theory, and the YMCA are launching a new Apple Watch connected program. You can get discounts for working out. You use Apple Pay to buy stuff, book classes on your Apple Watch and more. You can save 3 to $4 per week on your membership bill if you meet certain workout goals each month with Crunch Fitness. Would you be motivated for 3 or 
So it's the Apple Watch Connected Gym Initiative. It's Apple's latest fitness expansion, helping it to build an entire ecosystem around the Apple Watch and providing owners with more places to use it. Um, and it's, I don't think it's a shot at Peloton, but it's saying, you know, here's a trend. What are our trends? 5G, what are our trends? Millennial discretionary spending, what are our trends? Fitness and integra- connected fitness is a big thing. Will it last? I don't know. So the Apple Fitness on the watch program creates yet another reason for people to buy Apple Watches. If you're looking to work out, you know, why not have your watch seamlessly work with your gym? It keeps gyms happy because you keep coming with rewards-based initiatives. You may get a dollar off a smoothie, that $8 smoothie that probably costs $2 to make, and you get a dollar off, so everyone's happy. And if we could kind of get rid of some of these third-party technologies that don't seem to talk to our watches and don't seem to talk to our phones, maybe I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. So four gyms are part of the program. Apple Watch Connected Gym. I like the idea. I I can't say that it is a game changer because there's gym kit support, which is cute. I can tell you, like, Apple Car support's cute it doesn't change your life it, it it's a nice environment it's a nice ecology i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more find me online at rob black show twitter rob black show youtube rob black show want the podcast with music find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to rob black's twitter his handle is at rob black show listen to rob black and your money weekday mornings 7 to 9 on am 1220 kdow I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. One of the things that I am able to do is I can sit back and listen. It's an incredible skill that I learned in college. Stop asking questions, sit back and listen. People complain endlessly, and I can hear it. One of the big talks on Wall Street as people complain about incessantly is the Federal Reserve. They get a lot of credit. And what's interesting to note about this, let's just do a quick lesson so I bring everyone up to speed, is they control one interest rate. The Fed funds interest rate. It's not that important of an interest rate. Some people think the Federal Reserve does it kind of incompetently, adding human emotions onto something that should be based on quant data tied towards economic Activity tied towards inflation and tied towards the employment and full employment or what should unemployment look like. The Fed's job is to keep us employed and to fight inflation. Now, if you think about it, what has inflated? Or how can the Fed fight inflation? Let's talk about that first real quick. They can print money. They can buy securities. They can buy stocks and bonds. They can sell all that stuff. They can raise interest rates. To enhance the economy, they would print money. They would buy stocks. They would buy bonds. To slow down the economy, slow down inflation, they would do the opposite. The Federal Reserve 
controls interest rates, and the stock market's going parabolic. The Federal Reserve is supposed to fight inflation. Isn't the stock market parabolic inflating? Is it the Fed that we blame, or is it the baby boomers that we blame, or is it the millennials that we blame? Baby boomers are a giant demographic. They're a bulge in the population. We made babies after the war. Um, Baby boomers are responsible for the prosperity that we enjoy in the United States, in my opinion. Now, they could be responsible for the downturn in the economy that we won't enjoy. So they'll go from heroes of saving money for retirement, of buying homes, helping our economy, to zeros by pulling all that stuff out. Baby boomers have done a great job of having high salaries. Thank you for paying your taxes. Now, the problem is, in the last 10 years, we've started seeing baby boomers retire. And we don't want that, because that's when they start living off their retirement savings and no longer contributing to society and paying taxes. I know I'm, I'm making this very, very rudimentary, but I have to. When they're no longer paying off taxes, they're living off their savings and they're living off the taxpayers. You've heard now President Trump talk about fixing Social Security. That came up, along with more tax cuts. But fixing Social Security is going to be making you work longer or giving more or getting less. So sometimes the next few years, a lot of these retirees, also known as unsavers, dis-saving, negative savers. Am I saying anything negative? Am I going to get a letter written to management? You can't call savers who don't save negative terms. You can't say they're the anti-saver. We will experience capital starvation in a different way because the boomers are saving their capital and spending it down rather than investing in new capital. Stocks should go up. Interest rates should go up. Stocks should go down as the boomers pull their assets out is is what I'm trying to say. Um, Demographics are destiny, in my opinion. Also, I think you could say there was some destiny in in owning land at one point in time as countries went, I claim Louisiana for me. Oh, they've got new oil. I claim Saudi Arabia for me. But demographics and geography are destiny. I think ideology is also destiny in the world of investing. The good news is we're going to experience a shortage of capital for a number of years. That's bad news, Rob. It's actually good news. The good news is there's another large generation coming along to pick up the slack from the Generation X, who we just can't do what the boomers did, and we can't do what the millennials do. It's the millennials who are going to save the day. Times are going to be hard for Generation Xers in our peaking years because as we're peaking our earnings, taxes are probably going to go up. As the baby boomers slide into death post-retirement, they no longer vote when they're dead. So it's time to say, let's raise taxes on the elderly. I've never really paid uber amount of attention to demographics I know people that ignore them completely 
demographics provide a very, very clear trend in the United States. You don't have to be a a master chess wizard to figure this out. Stocks go down, long-term yields go up. And the Fed goes in overdrive to forestall what looks like a recession. It cuts short-term rates a lot, possibly in a negative territory, and the yield curve steepens dramatically. What happens in real estate in this, this scenario? Boomers unload their primary residences, they downsize, and the indebted millennials can't pick up all that slack. Now, this is kind of a macro doom scenario. I'm not Dr. Doom. I see no way of, 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 I see no shortage in ways that the United States could get into problems. If you studied Japan and their demographic situations, you saw how they got into problems. They like taking care of their elderly. They don't have a, a president that says, we should cut benefits to the elderly. Nope. Culturally, not going to happen. So I don't think there's an escape from this baby boomer cashing out to Generation X not being able to consume like their parents did to the millennials coming along and getting high-paying jobs and contributing to the economy by buying homes and making babies. Um, So at some point in time, we're going to look and say, okay, Japan did teach us. Don't think that stocks go up forever. Because they are going up forever, but not in Japan. Investors in Europe probably don't think that stocks go up forever either. There probably isn't a country in the world that thinks stocks go up forever, except for the United States. What we have now and what we've had for years is a historic gap between stocks and bonds, i.e. financial assets and other assets, commodities. At some point in time, people believe naysayers, negative, say that the commodities will have their day. If you listen to CFP Chad Burton, who will be at the seminar February 6th, talking about income and retirement, if you listen to him, he talks a lot about the Kalen periodical of returns and basically it's this you know you remember what a periodical chart looks like they've broken down stocks and bonds small cap big cap international cash they've broken down into categories what works well in any given year historically if you look back and the leadership changes all the time there's years like the 1970s where inflation is king and commodities rule the day and you wish you had more so demographics don't give us a clue on timing of when this asset change is going to happen. But it does tell me, like, the way the top 10 stocks are running, eh, be careful. Let me give you an example of some baby boomer ideas that no longer fit. For a while, baby boomers loved Tommy Bahama, the clothing company. They loved Harley-Davidson. And they loved AOL. To this day, whenever I see someone with an AOL email address, Steve C at AOL.com, I'm like, that's an old person. And for the record, I'm Generation X, and I one day will be the old person. And all I'm saying is there's baby boomers, Generation X, and millennials, and we're going with that. So the baby boomer cause prosperity should tap out. As they created wealth for 40 years, they'll start spending it for the next 40 Just throwing that out there. Both, you know, that that can be kind of scary to think about the positives 
and then when you think about what caused the positives, it could keep an open-ended question with that could create the negative. So I don't want you to get too caught up in negatives. I really don't. Um, I can tell you the 10-year treasury back in 1980 was about 12 to 14%. I got a mortgage back in 1990 when 8% was considered a good mortgage. <laughs> and it's crazy to think about. Now we're like three and a half, four. That's great. The difference between eight and three and a half, four is monumental. It would be like, oh, let's go through a 3.4 earthquake and then let's go through an eight. You'd be like, that's it's crazy. It gets crazier. So anyway, I hope you learned that I'm not always looking for the positives. I'm looking for the negative too. And I just gave you demographically the reasons why. I think the baby boomers are going to get tired and going to start living off their assets more and more. We haven't had a recession in a long time. Next time that happens, you're going to see some spook. Just like we haven't had a big earthquake in the Bay Area in a long time. Next time that happens, you see some spook. And by spook, I mean people leaving and not coming back. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Big event coming up February 6th. It's in the Bay Area. It's in Palo Alto. It's at the... uh, Elks Lodge. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Download a copy of some of the new downloadables. Getting ready for retirement. There's a lot of information at newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. This is a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. I pledge if you listen, I'll try to dig up one or two nuggets for you per day that'll help you Financially on the road to retirement. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. He will be doing an event with me February 6th at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. Retirement income and tax planning seminar. Um, I always like these beginning of the year events, Chad, especially with the year 2020. My first radio show was called 2020 Insight. You should have kind of some clarity on retirement, and yet we don't. You just sent me an article on retirement issues. You want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, I mean, this is a huge part of what we've been preaching for years, which is you have to have a withdrawal strategy. So there's a Forbes article that was posted, I believe it was yesterday, um, and I'll put it on the New Focus uh, Financial Group Facebook page, or you can go to chadburton.com and find the Facebook link there. But it it talks about the sequence of returns and, and what a large risk that is when it comes to retirement planning, because a lot of people think that retirement is just a number. Like, if I get to this golden number, this lump sum amount of money, I'll be able to live till the day I die. But then there's mistakes that you can make, and there's also the sequence of returns, because we always hear that the stock market averages, you know, 10, 11% throughout history, right? And mm-hmm. it's very vol- it's it's usually double digit returns up and double digit returns down, so it's not a flat 10 or 11%, not even close to it. And it depends on when those returns come, whether they're the good returns become in the beginning of retirement, the end of retirement, somewhere in the middle, or it's just a flat return. And this article is one of the best examples that I've seen that shows three portfolios with the same average annual rate of return, and two of them are disasters. One of them works out okay, and it's all about the sequence of returns. And uh, so I I really want people to take a look at it so that they can really, they can press on people that they need a withdrawal strategy in retirement. 
I kind of have the response to that, Chad. Oh, I'll get to it when I get to it, because I don't know if I'll have a million dollars or two million dollars, and I'm still five plus years from retirement. Do I need a withdrawal strategy? Because I'm kind of all over uh, yeah. the place. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, it depends on you know your retirement date. I like to start people to really focus on the, the the main part of that strategy, getting to retirement, having the proper amount of cash once you get to retirement. Um, well, I actually like, as you hear me say before, five years before the date you retire, I want your portfolio to look like okay. it should look the day you're going to retire. Um, because a three- to five-year period is a short period of time in a stock market. Usually, within a 10-year period, you have a recession, and recessions typically come along with a uh, up to a 20% market correction somewhere before or after the actual recession numbers come in. And a recession is just three quarters of negative economic growth. So what you don't want to have happen is you don't want to wait to set your portfolio up like people did in 2007 or in 1999, where they're like, oh, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go on my big bucket list vacation. I'll get to my portfolio when I get home. And I'll get it more conservative or set up the withdrawal strategy once I get home. And then all of a sudden, six to 12 months later, the market's in decline, and they still have to pull money out to pay their mortgage, to put food on the table, to take their next vacation. And all of a sudden, they've turned a market decline into real losses because they were forced to sell. Instead of setting up their withdrawal strategy in the beginning, they were forced to sell, and that's when mistakes are made. I'm with you on that. Big event coming up on February 6th in Palo Alto. It's um, a good chance to start the new year, right? Looking at income and retirement. You and I are talking a lot about this. Um, people can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. One more thing that I could throw out there. Um, like you said, there's a lot of things that people can grab at newfocusfinancial.com, including podcast to your show that you do in the mornings before this show. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what people can get from the seminar coming up, Chad, that is February 6th, and people can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Well, yeah, a lot of it is, is creating the withdrawal strategy. So you have to have okay. the, a right amount of money to be able to retire. So we talk about you know, what does retirement truly cost? What about the health care issues? What about the things that you're not thinking about? What about taxes? How do you do IRA to Roth conversion strategies based on the 2017 tax law and now the SECURE Act that was just passed? two major pieces of legislation that affected retirement. Um, but I go into the withdrawal strategy very deeply. That How do you get through good markets and bad markets, right? Because they're going to come. 70% of the time, the market's going to be positive. 30% of the time, it's going to be negative, most likely throughout retirement. Um, you can't time the market when you're building wealth. It's a total waste of time. You'd rather just buy the good stocks, collect the dividends, reinvest them, and add all the time. But when you're retired... You have to time the market, but it's not how you think. It's not all in or all out. You have to make sure you're timing the points where you've spent some money, the market's up, you peel some gains off the table, you replenish the cash that you've spent. So how do you create a withdrawal strategy to get you through the tough times that come, not very often, but they come? And if you make mistakes during those tough times, you can affect 35, 40 years of retirement. And again, the sequence of return article is is something you want to check out that that shows you um, specific examples of the order of returns and how that affects the math of retirement. Sounds good. Chad, people can find you at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You'll be on in the coming days, and people can listen to your show in the mornings. 
Uh, there's a lot of good downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. Quick question for you. What do you think the big story of 2020 is going to be? Is it going to be the stock market returns based on valuation? Do you think it's going to be the coronavirus? Too early to tell. Am I putting you on the spot? What's going to be the big story of 2020? Hmm, the big story of 2020. Well, I, I don't know. You know, the stories always sound the same after a while. And 25 years of doing this is just kind of different players. So yeah, you remember SARS not too long ago? It seems like it was SARS was a uh, good ago. radio, it was like 13, 14 years ago. Yeah, so we have something like that going on. Um, the, the, the things that cause the, the typical market shocks are things you're not talking mm-hmm. about that much. Um, I think if we continue this growth pattern that we're on, it could be a little bit of surprise inflation and the Fed's returning to the idea that, oh, we might have to raise interest rates. But who knows? I mean, it's just it's a guessing there game at that point. It is a guessing game, but you do a great job at it. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. Big event coming up at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com, February 6th. Listen to commercials. Use code RADIO25 if you've never been to an event before.